TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting, the reaction. If you guys missed it, I laughed a lot in the first segment about Baltimore pain. Um, I just thought it was really funny. Like, really genuinely hilarious how Baltimore pulled out all the stops. They had all the big names out there. They had Ed Reed. They had Ray Lewis on the sidelines. They had that uh, that, that C-list comedian Stavros something or the other. They had Michael Phelps. They, they had this everything. And the fans were so excited. And by the end of the game, the only thing you could get Baltimore fans to cheer for was like a penalty against the Chiefs. That's how much yesterday took the wind out of the sails of Baltimore fans, which I just personally find hilarious. As a matter of fact, one of my old producers in Charlotte, Ryan, he's a big Baltimore fan. He's from Baltimore. He lives there again. I think he works on the sports station there. And this was a guy who every time the Browns lost, when we worked together, would text me, how you doing there, fella? So I got the unique pleasure of, after the game, tweeting at him and asking him how he was doing. Was it a D move? Yes. Do I care? Not really. All this being said, I think one of the reactions that's been the most interesting and the most telling is people defending Lamar Jackson after yesterday's game. And people have said things like small sample size. People have said things like uh, it wasn't his fault they lost. And there is, or, or honestly, well, now's not the time. And what what a lot of this is, is it's fighting back at the instant reaction of in the instant backlash of the presumptive MVP losing in the second to last game of the season. And I, so some of it's good. Some of it's also just sheer contrarianism. This idea that after the favorited home team with the presumptive MVP going up against the three seed, the, the Chiefs who had seemed to be a bit of a disappointment as compared to expectations for them until yesterday, the idea that we couldn't take a look at Lamar Jackson and we couldn't analyze where he is versus where we think he should be is embarrassing. You know, the best and worst part of sports is that we are constantly evolving, we're constantly evaluating, we're constantly watching, and we're constantly assessing and judging. And because you're doing that in real time, you're never going to be perfect. And there are people who err on the side of ridiculousness. And and they, they go to a level of finality on the conversation about Lamar Jackson or Brock Purdy or anybody else that, it, that it's quickly and easily disproved. But this idea that you can't have a real conversation about Lamar Jackson yesterday and, and things like... Why hasn't he won the big game yet is ridiculous. It really is. And the idea that you can't look at what Brock Purdy did yesterday and said on any other team in the NFL, Brock Purdy is not in the Super Bowl. 
He's just not. He happens to be in the perfect context. And maybe he has the Eli Manning moment where he plays a perfect game in the Super Bowl and he does what I don't think he's going to do, which is he wins a Super Bowl. But it is anybody saying today you can't evaluate Lamar Jackson or you can't you can't hold him up against his contract or his station on the number one team in the AFC is honestly, they're just playing the game. They're just being contrarian. They're just fighting back. You have enough information. Because it's not one game in a vacuum. It is Lamar in playoff games over the time that he's been in Baltimore. And he's got two wins. And honestly, that's two more wins than Deshaun Watson has in the last four years. So I can understand how it might sound like crocodile tears or an advanced version of me making fun of the city of Baltimore for the crocodile tears of losing yesterday. It is not. If every time, listen guys, if let's say Pat Mahomes had lost yesterday and people said, oh, is Pat lost his edge? That is ridiculousness. That is just a heinous overreaction to what likely is a bad game. With Lamar, Lamar was on the number one seed. Lamar was on a team that had played the best football across the last 25 weeks. Lamar was and and is expected to be the NFL MVP. Lamar had his best offensive season on his best offense, the, the, the offense that had been built best around him maybe ever because people had figured he had been saddled by uh, or, or slowed down by Greg Roman. So the idea that you can't ask whether Lamar is capable or incapable of winning the big game is laughable because right now today, he was more responsible for his team winning every single year, uh, sorry, every single game than Brock Purdy was in every single game. And one of them is in the Super Bowl. And if that is an indictment on the build in Baltimore, then that's also partly an indictment on Lamar. If I'm going to give the guy his flowers, if I'm going to say he's the NFL MVP, that was not an NFL MVP performance. Now, I happen to look at the interception where people wanted OPI called, but in reality, the guy threw into triple coverage and it was a bad throw. I happen to look at that saying, yeah, he was probably pressing a little bit because the rest of the offense wasn't doing enough around him. I'll also say... They that that Todd Munkin set up Lamar to fail because he didn't run the ball. They didn't run the offense that we were used to. Instead, they were just kind of relying on Lamar to make a bunch of plays and hope that was enough, and it wasn't. He made some plays. And admittedly, Zay Flowers' fumble took off one of the best plays of the day off the board. And then there was the other uh, Zay taunting, Zay Flowers taunting, which, uh, of course, took them back and took them from, like, uh, the the uh, the deep red zone into being, I think, at the – I think it was, like, the 20 or 25. But point, point blank, if you're going to give Lamar all the credit when they get the number one seed in the AFC, he deserves blame when he had every conceivable advantage you needed in the game. He has an elite head coach. 
He has better weapons, honestly, than he has had in a while. He had Mark Andrews back. They did a pretty good job at actually protecting him and and slowing down as best you can a absolute Hall of Fame stud in Chris Jones. Yeah, Chris Jones had some moments. Chris Jones also was not consistently the same Chris Jones because they did a hell of a job against him. Yeah, Carl Loftus made some plays. Guys, other teams do make plays against you. The, the Ravens made plays against Mahomes yesterday. But Lamar Jackson was on the number one seed at home with every conceivable advantage and couldn't win the game. They scored seven points. You better be having some real conversations in Baltimore because that is as good as it possibly gets and you got handled at home. If now isn't the time to question whether Lamar can win the big game or not, I don't know when will be. Because I don't know when Baltimore's ever going to have the perfect confluence of everything they had this year. 216-474-0092. You guys, is it, how much of a conversation is it that whether Lamar is capable of winning the big game or not? Jeff, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Yeah, I don't care how you slice and dice it. Lamar choked. He became gun shy. He didn't want to throw the ball. He was making second decisions. He decided to go back to his Louisville days and run first. Lamar choked. Okay, that's just the bottom line. Lamar choked. But I give Lamar credit because he's not even supposed to be a quarterback. He was a glorified running back coming into the NFL. They made him Jeff, into a quarterback when he came into the NFL. He Jeff, didn't even know how you. to throw a ball. Jeff, Pardon? is your real name Bill Polian? No. <laughs> okay, just want to make sure. Yeah. Okay. Now, you know what, Stefanski? I, I think they're making decisions uh, pertaining to the uh, output, which was very optimal. Win at home, lose on the road. That's very optimal. That's most coaches. And they made decisions. They're making decisions on his output, and it's very optimal, and it's too bad because he's a good coach. Okay? He's a good coach. In his situation, less is more. His, opti- his output was less, and that's more. They think that's bigger than making a decision about him, good coaching. They think his output is something they should make decisions by. Go Browns. All right. I have no idea what the point you're making at the end there. I'll just be really honest. I heard output a lot. I think optimal was a word I heard a lot. I, but I don't really understand the point. Now, granted, I did not graduate from Bowling Green. All right, I, just full disclosure. I might just be dumb, but I, I don't know about whatever the hell that last part. Now, the, the first part is if uh, the whole conversation about Lamar shouldn't be a quarterback is one of the dumbest conversations or dumbest conversation points I've ever heard. I, I, think, I think Lamar's stats yesterday were a lot of empty filling. I think he made a lot of plays either early in downs or he made a lot of plays in the middle of the field where it is easy or sorry, the – you know, 50-yard line kind of – I think he made a lot of plays where you should make plays in the NFL. And I don't think he made enough actual winning plays in a shortened field, and that is part of why they lost. But to suggest that now uh, six years in, we don't have enough to say that he is a – or that he shouldn't be a quarterback, I just I, I just don't even know, like, how you watch what you saw yesterday. Are, are, was he limited yesterday? Did he have a good game? Absolutely not. Was he the number one reason they lost? Also, absolutely not. It was every stupid personal foul penalty. It was every 
a mental gaffe. It was the Chiefs that just completely and utterly lulled them in and lured them into every fight. And, I mean, it was Travis Kelsey being the little brother where Travis Kelsey said something, Roquan Smith hit him, and there's a 15-yard penalty. Baltimore came unglued. But if you are an elite quarterback, and this is where the this is this is where the conversation actually begins. If you're an MVP level quarterback, you should be able to help your team rise above. And they didn't. They didn't have composure. That is another strike against Lamar Jackson. That should not be happening at home. Let's go with Tommy. Tommy, welcome to the show, buddy. What you got for us? Thank you, Nick. Nick, he reminds me, Lamar, reminds me of Fran Tarkington, okay? He's running his own play when it's, when, after it snaps. You know what I'm saying? And I think one of the crucial penalties was Flowers with the taunting. I mean, that was ridiculous. That was a 15-yard penalty, and that hurt them. But anyway, I just think Lamar is, is great, but he was, he, he's a Fran Tarkington. You know what I'm saying? He sort of switches the play a little bit and tries to make his own thing and runs and da 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 da. But um, I, I just think it was it was th- that Flowers penalty that really hurt them. Yeah, it's funny. I and thank you for the call. I mean, they were down seven points when Roquan Smith went rogue on the offsides penalty where he committed a personal foul. You you could really point to any one of the personal fouls, any one of the. I mean, taunting was one of them, but the, the uh, Travis Jones literally punching Pat Mahomes in the face, you can point to any one of those and said, if you just had one less of those, your chances of winning are exponentially better. That's how poorly Baltimore blew it. Unfortunately, Lamar is, or rather fortunately if you're a Browns fan, Lamar is the face of that franchise, and he has to answer for his part. He made some plays. At least one of those plays was was muted by a dumbass penalty. Yep, then you need to make more plays. It's that simple. That's what we gauge elite quarterbacks or uh, winning quarterbacks against. 216-474-0092. Do you guys think Lamar is incapable of winning the big game? Through six years, he sure seems to be. I don't know what made this pop into my head. I want to get to the JB audio in a minute. Does it help or hurt your opinion of the Ken Dorsey hiring that he used to play quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. And and it, let's just say he didn't play quarterback very well. And I and I I'm I'm always sensitive to this. I'm not a former NFL quarterback, so he is a better quarterback than me. I higher bar, I would say, in Cleveland. But I think it is it, I was just thinking back to some of the responses on Ken Dorsey. And I actually think it probably helps that we know in the nebulous yeah, it wasn't that great. But we can't really think of too many specific bad moments. Like if they had hired Brandon Whedon, I don't know why they would. We would think of that that infernal flag moment. Like we would just think of that every time we saw that guy. If they saw Brady Quinn, we would think of him in that picture as a little boy with his uh, Browns helmet on and how poorly things went in just any of the times he got on the field. If we if they had hired RG3, we probably would have no pressure, no diamond ourselves into a corner very early on. I think Ken Dorsey walks the sweet spot of familiarity and how did he play? He wasn't that good, right? 
Actually, I think more people know him from being an average Miami quarterback than they do have any memory, special memory. They they remember Ken Dorsey more from the national title game Dustin played in than they really do anything else. Like, I don't know, uh, was, it, was it three games as a Browns quarterback? I digress. Now, Evan Mobley is back tonight. Um, JB gave word about an hour ago that Evan Mobley will be on a 20 to 24 minute minute restriction. And uh, he did just finish speaking up with the media. Or I don't know, speaking up with the media. That's not a real thing. But he did just finish speaking to the media. And he talked uh, about expectations for Mobley tonight. It's difficult, obviously, but... Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively... Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Odyssey celebrates the class of 2024. Brought to you by T Mobile. You can count on T Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. You know, fit in. Use your skill set to fit what the team is doing. And I think his unselfish nature, his ability to defend multiple positions is smooth, right? It's a smooth transition. Obviously, you know, there's going to be some ups and downs for him. Like you don't play NBA basketball six for six weeks. It's never going to be, you know, seamless. But as far as his contribution to the team, like we don't expect that to change because of, you know, we want to play selfless basketball. That's Evan Mobley. We want to defend. That's Evan Mobley. So, you know, we don't expect, you know, dramatic changes, uh, just an opportunity for him to continue to be who he is. I will say that I was uh, somebody, one of the Cavs beat reporters had tweeted out a, a video of Evan. Oh, I think it was Hayden Grove, Cleveland.com. He, he had put out a video at H underscore Grove of uh, Evan Mobley working on his outside shot. And it was from the corner, and I was like, well, he's not going to need that tonight. <laughs> like, you know what? I, I think I would, like, you, hey, here's Evan Mobley running the point. Because that might be the only thing. If he was like working on his handle at the top of the key and distributing uh, the basketball, that might be the the next most unlikely thing to happen tonight. Is Evans just chilling on the baseline in the corner, getting ready for a three point shot with a ball not coming his way, with nobody guarding him, with nobody the, guarding him. Impressive, yeah. uh, nailing some yeah. three pointers, with nobody guarding you. You know, though, I d- I did realize the other day. It's funny you say that. Because for a long time, people like fat asses like me on the radio have been like, ah, anybody can do that. I was just randomly shooting outside. And again, I've not picked up a basketball in about four months. I have not played competitive basketball in 20 years. And so the amount of unguarded three-point shots that went nowhere near the basket was really embarrassing. So he's doing something I clearly can't do anymore, which is make a wide open three unguarded uh, before before the game. But uh, no, I just think, you know, as I've, as I've started to get ready for Evan to come back and for Darius to come back, I kind of think Evan is the easier guy to work back into the rotation than Darius because the the ball still should be able to move if it's just in Donovan's hand and it's moving out of that. The fact that Evan still doesn't seem to have much of an offensive game uh, out you know outside of five or. 10 feet to the basket is going to be a problem. And there's going to be some natural kind of overlap between Jarrett and Evan that showcases itself at some point over the next few weeks. That's just logical because that's, we've seen it multiple times this year. 
But just in so I I think adding Evan back is less likely to disrupt the rhythm than Darius is when Darius comes back. And that's not Dar- Darius is a disruptor. That is Darius. I don't think the Cavs at any point have fixed the biggest problem between Darius and Donovan, which is getting the ball out of one or both hands and keeping the basketball moving. I don't expect that to miraculously fix itself with Darius coming off the, the jaw injury. But I, I will admit, like, I don't know the Cavs' view it this way. I think the Cavs are pretty content to just run out the clock on this season and see what happens in the playoffs. Personally, it drives me crazy. When you have this much talent and the team has won a lot, but when you talk about developing, Evans' development has been mostly stunted. There's been some improvement, but offensively, there just hasn't been enough improvement. When you talk about um, how Jarrett tends to disappear or how either big can disappear when they're both in the game together, or how you're taking one extra shooter off the uh, off the court and how that that does stymie the offense a little bit. The fact that that has not resolved itself or gotten better over the last year and a half is confounding. And I have my own working theories on it. I, I've said I think some of this involves JB. There are people in town who don't want to hear that. Like I had uh, 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 one of the Twitter accounts, I can't remember his name, sorry, bud, um, who said, oh, you criticize JB, and he just goes out and becomes the hottest coach in the league. Because he, he beat Orlando and Washington? He beat Washington a couple times? He beat Detroit? Like, I, I, I'm a little – I'm uneasy with where the Cavs are. I hope that they continue – that basically all they needed was to get out of their own way. They just needed to get hot and start winning games – and that maybe you add Evan and Darius back and it's flawless, and you still have questions, but by and large, they can win. They get a top four seed and another crack at the playoffs. I hope, I hope against hope that that is what happens. I don't know it will be, and I think the next two to three weeks are as, as important of a stretch as we've had for the Cavs. I just think it is why, I mean, I think the Cavs, insistence on not talking Turkey with any of their core four players. My greatest fear is it's going to bite you in the butt. You can't really be stubborn. You can't really ignore the circumstances. If you're in Cleveland, Miami has Miami. They refused to pay top flight for Donovan two years ago. They refused to pay top, uh, top pay, uh, top pay for, um, Oh gosh, who is the player this year? Oh, just one of the biggest players. Oh, Dame Lillard. They refused to pay top dollar for him. Sorry about the pun there. Um, Dame Dollar. You guys, it's not great. Um, But Miami seems to continue to cling to this idea of we're going to wait for another team around us to do something stupid and give us an elite-level player at below-average prices. You can do that when you're Miami because it just might happen. You can't really do that if you're Cleveland. And so my my thought is the Cavs, let's see, they've uh, next Thursday is the NBA trade deadline. I think it's February 8th. I don't think the Cavs are going to do anything. I think the most they'll do is maybe turn a second-round pick into a better backup big now that Tristan Thompson is hurt. I don't, I, I don't see them upgrading on Dean Wade. I don't see them upgrading on – 
Karis LeVert. That, that was one of the suggestions by The Athletic. Well, trade for Alec Burks, which would then push Karis LeVert farther down the depth chart, making him even more, uh, I don't say useless because he's a good basketball player, but but m- tougher to get out there on the court and get his, his shots in. So you're going to com- further devalue Karis LeVert. That sounds like the dumbest damn thing in the world. All in the name of not taking care of the natural issues you have on your roster, one way or another. So I think the Cavs are going to sit tight at the deadline, uh, barring any, unless Donovan just comes out before the deadline and says, I'm out, which would be the most shocking thing to happen in the NBA. And I think they're, I think they're rolling big on the playoffs this year. And so with Evan coming back tonight, I'm actually excited to see Evan play because he is a really, the thing that's frustrating as hell is he's a hell of a basketball player. And I'm excited to see Darius back because you know what? He's a hell of a basketball player. But where my uneasiness comes is how quickly can you reintegrate these guys and whether or not the significant issues that they've had, fit issues, right? Not performance issues, but fit issues, whether they overtake this team down the stretch. I hope they don't. I hope that the first 20 games of this year, 25 games of this year, were the anomaly. And I think these guys have played well enough together. I think you should be able to kind of throw together a run here and at least at least do something interesting in the playoffs, right? Even if that just means being competitive in a first-round series. I'll take that at this moment. But we're going to go from, if, if let's say they do come back and there's trouble reintegrating one or both guys, we're going to go from happy, hunky-dory, all is good with the Cavs to Cavs panic really quick. Because I think there's a fair amount of us who understand what they've done is awesome. They've been able to win because the ball ain't sticking and because Donovan is the point man in this offense and just putting up ridiculous numbers. And his usage rates are astronomical. They've been able to win because you've been able to play three shooters alongside Jared Allen, and Jared's been able to man the middle, which is, and you've been able to shoot 43s a game at 42% or at 38%. I don't know you're going to be able to do that when these guys come back. With these guys coming back, you might have to fundamentally, from matchup to matchup, change the way you win. So I'm incredibly excited to watch Evan Mobley. Incredibly excited to watch Darius come back, see where they are, see how ready they are to be the guys that they've been the last couple of years. I also need them to continue this run of basketball as they add these guys back in because the Cavs might not be willing to panic. I don't know you can say the same thing for all Cavs fans. I don't know you can say that if they hit a a rough point here or if the offense slows down and all of a sudden the three-point shots you're getting are not as good of three-point shots, they are the low-percentage three-point shots, they're the ugly ducks, they're the forced three-point shots, I don't know Cavs fans. Cavs fans who the last two weeks have been telling me I'm an idiot for having Questions, concerns, qualms with his team. I think they're going to flip-flop right back to concern if this team cannot continue the momentum they have now. 
even as it is, you know, weirdest take that I saw, or not weirdest take, weirdest stat that I saw, they're 9-1 and one in their last 10 games. And somehow they've gone from being the four seed to the five seed. Uh, that doesn't really matter. Like the, the seeding doesn't really matter this time of year. But it's just wild that you can win 900% of your, sorry, 90% of your games in a 10-game stretch and you fall one place in the playoff spot. Everything we thought the East was going to be last year, I think the East is this year. I think the East is really good. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.